listening to First Church Charlotte. Let's stand together. I want to get right into the scripture. Thank you all for pushing through the busy week and coming here into the house of the Lord uh, to spend a little bit of time talking together about the word of the Lord. Uh, The school systems in Union County, uh, in Mecklenburg County, uh, they seem to not care at all about attendance on Easter. And so as a preacher, I want as much influence as I can get on Easter. Uh, but we've got spring break out for the Mecklenburg schools this week. Next week, it's Union County. It's just an attack of the devil. That's all I have to say about that. You don't need a spring break anyway, right, kids? Wait, never mind. That's not going to work either. <laughs> so uh, we are reading Philippians chapter number four. It's a, it's a pleasure to be in the house of the Lord with all of you. We have uh, Sister Moran here, uh, Pastor John Moran's wife, Hannah's mother. Uh, she I tried to get her to speak tonight, but she gave me her speaking rates, and we just can't afford her. That, that's what's going on there. I, I just can't afford her. It's too much. So you're going to have to suffer with me. This is um, Philippians chapter number four, and let's read at verse number six, very famous. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We all of us need to internalize this scripture right here. We, we need to make this part of who we are. Uh, we learn how to live lives of victory by scriptures uh, just like this. So I am, I hear music. No, no, I hear music in the sound system. Oh, man, just, I just start grooving and they take it away. Scriptures like this make us strong and help us to be overcomers. Uh, before you're seated, fist bump your neighbor and say, you need to be strong, you need to be an overcomer. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for that fine music, sir. Amen. So I want to begin by reminding all of you that everything's going to be okay. You say, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't need to. I know who you're going through it with. Everything is going to be okay. I want you to agree with me in your spirit here, and I want you to see that God is on your side. You are not alone. How about an amen from the quiet section here? ah, Struggling, struggling, struggling. I want you to know whatever it is that you are currently facing with God on your side, there's no way you're not going to come through it with a testimony. No matter how tired you are in your spirit, I want you to agree with me in your spirit that God is on your side, so everything is going to be all right. I'm afraid we uh, believers often accept a reality that represents how we perceive things rather than the reality that what God said will be. So let me say it this way. God's authority is a greater reality than our perceptions. 
if we go by our perceptions, we will live continually in a sense of, I don't know how it's going to go. If we go by our perceptions, we will live with this continual sense of what next. But if we will begin to stand upon the promises of God, we can accept the fact that God's reality is more powerful than ours. And then we become people who live by faith and not by sight. I said we become people who live by faith and not by sight. We've been talking about living in the, uh, the chaos, living in the void of uh, disturbed spirits, angry hearts, frustrated minds. <clears throat> so much of the human story is caught up with a sense of our, our incompleteness. So many people today live with a sense of frustration and anger. I meet so many people and I talk to them and in just a moment, they, whether or not they are admitting it, they are confessing in one way or another of the confusion that they live with every day spiritually. The fear that they wrestle with every day or almost every day. And they have this sense of being tossed and torn and, and they're, run, they're, they're, as it were, spiritually ragged because they do not have peace in their life. And I, three Wednesday nights ago when I started this series, I, I used the image of the earth without form and void. And there being chaos and darkness uh, there. But nearby the chaos. Somebody say nearby. Nearby the chaos, the spirit of the Lord was moving over the waters. And so it is in all of our lives. Even in the chaos, the spirit of the Lord is not very far from us. Even in the fear, even in the pain, the spirit of the Lord is not very far from you. You probably know someone in your life who is uh, very unsettled in their spirit. They're living with a sense of anxiety. They're living with a sense of, of pain, uh, living with a sense of, of woundedness or incompleteness. And they, if they go by their emotions, they will feel like they are so far away from God. They're so far away from the promises of God uh, that they really don't even need to try. Your job your mission, your role as a spiritual ambassador is to be the one who speaks this truth to them. Look, the spirit of the Lord is not very far from you. How many of you know somebody a little bit confused? Your job is to be the voice that reminds them the spirit of the Lord is not very far from them. Lord Jesus, I pray you would anoint us to be witnesses and testimonies. I pray you would anoint us to manifest this truth, not just celebrate it on a weekend or at a Bible study or even in a private devotion. But Lord Jesus, as your people, we want to be uh, vessels filled with your presence. We want to be uh, the one who comes with the announcement that God is coming by. The spirit of the Lord is near. There is a hope. There is a chance. There is a change. Lord Jesus, we don't want to simply celebrate our sense of being saved. We don't want to simply celebrate our sense of being your children. But we want to recognize we're here for a divine role and for a divine purpose. And we all of us want to be the voice of hope in somebody's dark existence. And can the whole church say amen? amen. We are called to do this. We are surrounded by brokenness and we are the ones who remind people the spirit of the Lord is not that far from you. 
We're the ones who speak to the person that's bound in addiction. And we say, look, a deliverance is closer than you think. If you can speak faith in somebody's life, they're going to not know why they're drawn to you, but they're going to be drawn to you. I feel like I'm, 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 uh, I, I, I'm struggling to break through uh, a, sense of, a sense of, okay, just get to the good part. I, I, this is the good part, okay? Um, this is the good part. I, I want you to see, if you can speak faith into somebody's life, they will not know why they're drawn to you but they will be drawn to you. And they will perceive God to be whatever you are giving to them. They will perceive your God to be whatever it is you're giving to them. So if this person in your life receives from you a sense of how disgusted you are with their choices... You are administrating grace. You are representing God. If that's what they get from you, then they're going to think your God, your idea of God, holds them in contempt and shame. If they get judgment from you, they're going to think your God is about giving judgment. If they get law from you, they're going to think your God is about giving them law. But when you speak faith and hope into their life, they begin to feel as though maybe God has a better plan for them than they have for themselves. This is why it is so important for us to speak faith one to another and even more important for us to speak faith outside of this house of common faith and common belief. You need to be the voice of hope and faith to everyone you know, every person you meet. You need to speak the confidence of God, the promises of God, and they will be drawn. And they won't even know why. So we are surrounded by this chaos and we're surrounded by conflict and we recognize that the Spirit of the Lord is not far away uh, from people. He's as close as the mention of his name. How many of you have lived that in your own life? He's as close as the mention of, you, uh, of his name. Uh, and so you become that ambassador of hope to a chaotic society. And I want to show you scripturally how uh, certain kinds of people, uh, or let me restate that. I don't want to define people by types. I want to, I want to define uh, types of spiritual traps that people fall into. It may not be their fault. It may be their fault. If you trace back, you might could discern where it started and why. But usually that's a lot of wasted time because it doesn't matter how they got here. Now they need some hope. So how do we become the voice of hope in people's life? It can help us if we have the biblical tools and the spiritual understanding to give to somebody in their difficult times. So let me talk about the first kind of person. Not There I go again, classifying people by types. Let me restate that again in the hope I won't do it the third time. Uh, the kind of state that a person can find themselves in. Uh, I have found it my place at times to minister to people who were very conflicted and very tormented in their spirit. Uh, they almost never understood exactly why. 
But they were living with a sense of conflictedness, a sense of spiritual uh, despair and torment. Uh, and you'll find spiritually they are unable uh, to, to, to follow a plan and progress in an orderly manner of discipleship. They're unable to grow in understanding. They're unable to go uh, line upon line, precept upon precept. In other words, they struggle to make small, integral steps where you step here, then you step here, because they are so conflicted and they are so tormented in their spirit. This will be expressed in their life in a sense of, of personal and spiritual disorder. They will be tossed to and fro. That's an image the Bible gives us for people like this. They will, they will be highly unstable in their spirituality, and they will be overly emotional in their circumstances. Emotions are how you experience life, but emotions are also how you, in many times, uh, uh, increase confusion, increase wonderment, increase a sense of not knowing what to do. Emotions uh, are a part of the human experience, but they're not always our friend. And part of being unstable is having emotions that exist at a higher level of perceived experience than the promises of God. When your emotions are more powerful than God's promise, you are living an unstably, unstable spiritual life. When your emotions hit you harder than God's presence, you are living an unstable, a spiritually unstable. Let me say it personally. When my emotions have a greater impact on me than my mission, I am allowing myself to be tossed to and fro. I am in my core faith, conflicted and tormented. Uh, Proverbs 14 and 30. I'm, I'm actually going to read this from the message translation. Uh, a sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. When our emotions are felt and perceived in our lives at a higher level than God's presence or God's promise, then I have spiritual work to do. You have spiritual work to do. The only way we find stability uh, and we find a path through those emotions is when we do the work of spiritual becoming, the work of spiritual foundations, the work that is daily of the renewed mind. Somebody say the renewed mind. The renewed mind is your daily goal. The renewed mind is your daily spiritual progress. Every day, that I don't remove, renew my mind in the promises of God and in the presence of God, I am slipping back into a carnal version of myself. But every day I do the hard work of renewing my mind. Somebody say, preach it, preacher. Thank you, I feel better now. Every day I do the hard work of renewing my mind and pursuing the presence of God and founding myself upon the word of God. That's how I renew my mind. Then I am able to find stability. Uh, let me give you a couple of scriptures for uh, people who are living with conflict in their spirit and they are very tormented in their soul. Uh, a lot of times uh, the, the, the transition from conflicted 
which can be just a set of bad spiritual habits, to tormented, which is to actively be oppressed in some manner. The difference is living with high levels of accusation in your heart, uh, living with high levels of fear of punishment, living with high levels of dread over past mistakes, living without a sense of spiritual peace in your life. I know I've just given you some heavy things there, uh, but uh, this is all spiritually real for a lot of people. Living with high levels of accusation, high levels of a fear of punishment, high levels of dread over past mistakes, and a lack, a general lack of peace. You are living, if you uh, allow this to continue. You are living a tormented experience that is not the will of God for your life. I want to say it again. I want to say it declaratively. It is not the will of God for your life. You are slipping into an earned salvation heresy. If you're good enough, then God saves you. That's not how the gospel is given to us. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have to accept his work, receive his spirit, let our sins be placed under his blood, share our identity in his name, and having reassured yourself of these promises. You have to let go of the habits of accusation. You have to let go of your fear of punishment. You have to let go of the dread of past mistakes. You have to believe that the one who began a work in you is able to finish that work in you. There is therefore now, Romans 8 and 1, no condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We read Philippians 4 and 7. Let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. This is what it feels like to have the presence of God in your life. You make statements like this. I can't describe it, but I just feel at peace. I, I don't have a formula for you, but I just feel like God is with me. There's this curious sense that everything is going to be okay. God wants you to know this. You may have chaos in your life, but not very far away, the Spirit of the Lord is moving. And he will speak into your, your life. The, the, the second kind of circumstance that I see people live with, and I want so much to see them freed from, I feel like they're not obtaining what they could do for God. They're not being who they could be uh, in the promises of God. The second, So the first one is to live with a sense of conflict, a sense of, of spiritual torment. The second one is to live in a continual state of fear, a state of anxiety, uh, or even a state of, of having experienced rejection, and you have embraced a sense of rejection in your life. Uh, but let, that's number three. Let me, let, me, let me get back to number two. The state of fear or, 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 or anxiety. I, I confess to you, I'm a worrier. I don't tell you that uh, for any other reason, but I want you to see that even the preacher has spiritual work to do on a regular basis. Uh, besides the fact that when I walk, my feet don't touch the ground because I'm so filled with the power of the Spirit. Besides that, I have to work to fight the attack of the enemy just like you have to work. But I will say this, living in spiritual anxiety and fear is not the will of God for the believer. 
And you need to see that spiritually and you need to see that scripturally. Let me, let me talk for a moment about fear. If you are continually facing abnormal levels of fear, what do I mean by that? You can't simply fix it by reminding yourself of God's promises. Healthy Christians are able to acknowledge fear in their life and then fix it by reminding themselves of God's promise in their life. You are living with abnormal levels of fear when you cannot fix it by giving yourself a reminder of the promises of God. If the promises of God are not fixing your fear, then you are failing to believe the promises of God. And you're having a different level problem. Do you know the promises of God? Do you believe the promises of God? Fear is when you know them, but you don't really believe them. I told you we have spiritual work to do. However that may be experienced in your life, I want to encourage you today and tell you this, not very far from you, the Spirit of the Lord is moving in your life. And his word will speak order into the chaos and the void of your, of your existence. Let me read 2 Timothy 2, chapter number 1, verse number 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but rather of power and love and self-control. Also, 1 John chapter number 4, verse number 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears is not perfect in love. Lord, help us to overcome fear and attain a place of divine love in our life. Anxiety, uh, living with a sense of, of nervous uh, expectation or to live easily uh, panic. This is a void of, of, of chaos in our life. And it's very, it's, it's the same, it's just another kind of distinction of, of fear. Uh, Paul, where we read in, in the letter to the Philippi and uh, where we read our text, chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Oh, that's easy to preach, but that is hard, hard, hard to live. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with gratitude, make your requests known to God. Lord, help us to live this. Help us not just to read it in a scripture or sing it in a song or preach it in a message, but help us to open our hands and let go of anxiety that limits our faith and hinders our joy. Remember what the Lord said in Matthew 11 and 28 and 29, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am weak and low, excuse me, I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. The third reality that I see people stuck in. So the first one is to live uh, in this place of conflict or torment spiritually. The second one is to struggle with anxiety and fear. Uh, the third place I see people get stuck. I have felt myself spend uh, perhaps seasons of my life stuck in uh, is not simply uh, fear and anxiety or not simply conflict or, or uh, torment or a spiritual disorder in my spirit, but an offended spirit to live with a offended or a wounded or a rejected spirit 
and to struggle with that day after day after day after day. Let me, let me try to deal with each one of these uh, with a little bit, of, uh, little bit of specificity. So a rejected spirit. People who have a rejected spirit uh, tend to live life easily offended, and they continually need unnatural levels of affirmation. At some point in their life, when they needed to be accepted, uh, they weren't. They were rejected. And because they were so vulnerable at that moment, their method of survival was to develop a habit of personality that we all experience for the rest of their life as being easily offended. I just killed the spirit. I mean, we were doing so good, and then I just killed it. So to have a a, a rejected spirit is to need continual, unnatural levels of, of, of someone speaking affirmation or acceptance to you. Uh, and so I want, I want you to see this. This is, this, is limiting. this is limiting to you because you're never going to do what God has for you to do if you need everyone's approval because you're never going to get everyone's approval. It's never going to happen. Somebody didn't say never. That's an important word. It's never going to happen. In fact, you'll see in the scripture, doing anything for God is going to take courage. It's going to take a willingness to stand against what perhaps some people think you should do and to hold to a call, a mission, or shall we say a vision that the Spirit of the Lord has placed in in your life. And so if you have or you know someone uh, with this, this rejected spirit, this is what we speak. Remember, not far away from any of us, the Spirit of the Lord is moving. And what does the Spirit of the Lord do into chaos? He speaks into chaos. What does he speak? He speaks light. He speaks understanding. Understanding. Here is light into uh, light spoken into the rejected spirit. Psalms 27 and 10. If my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me in. Now, there is no more vulnerable relationship in our life than the father, the mother in our life. And most of us have been blessed with wonderful parents, and thank God for that. But I want you to see, even for the person who was wounded at the most tender ages of their life, the Lord gives you this promise. Very close to the chaos of your life, the Spirit of the Lord speaks light. And this is the reality you need to grasp in yourself, even if you didn't have a perfect upbringing, even if you've grew up with a sense of rejection or pain, even if the most vulnerable relationships in your life in some way hurt you or even deformed your personality in some manner, even them, the Lord is willing to take you in. And the Lord will be the father perhaps you did not have. And the Lord will be the nurturer, the mother that you did not have. I want you to see that into the chaos of the broken spirit, the word of the Lord speaks light. Also, John 6 
36 and 37, all whom the Father gives me will come to me. And he who, this is Jesus speaking, and he who comes to me, I will never cast out. If you have been marked by rejection in your life, don't stay in the chaos of that place. Let the Spirit of the Lord speak healing to you. If you have an offended spirit, uh, if you tend to hold grudges and you tend to not be able to get over grudges or you know and are trying to work with someone who does, recognize the spiritual woundedness of their heart and recognize the, the chaos that is existing in their spirit. But remind yourself that not very far from them, the spirit of the Lord is working and the spirit of the Lord can speak light into that life. Uh, Colossians 3 and 13, bear with one another and forgive one another. Can I have a big amen? Bear with one another. That means you have to put up with their ignorance. I didn't get any amens from this side of the church over here. Um, uh, Bear with one another. That means uh, putting up with one another. I said that means putting up with one another. And the only thing harder than putting up with one another is forgiving one another. Um, Offended spirits hold grudges, but what they don't understand is by doing so, they limit the flow of God's spirit through them. They become a spiritual cripple. If anyone has a quarrel against anyone, this is Colossians 3.13 continued. If anyone has a quarrel against anyone, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. Or let me give you some more. Hebrews 12, verses 14 to 15. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I taught a Bible study on that uh, recently. How are people going to see Jesus if they can't see changed lives that you live? Once the rapture happens, we're all going to see the Lord. That's not a hard thing. We understand that. Once the Bible says, even those who crucified him, Revelation chapter number one, even those who crucified him are going to see them. But in the meantime, how is anybody going to see God? They've got to see him in your testimony. They've got to see if we aren't changed, how can anyone see Christ? If we're carrying offense around, how are we different than anybody else? People have to see the change in us. And so watching diligently so that no one falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up to cause trouble and many become defiled by it. This is the problem with bitterness. It never just hurts you. Three, the wounded soul. Some people, <clears throat> for whatever reason, their plan for, for survival or their plan to make sure it never happens again is to always reopen the wounds in their life. Um, This is uh, not helping you. (laughs) This is not helping me. If we engage in this, it is not helping us. Uh, I I would rather suggest that we get a different habit. Uh, Every time that we find ourselves uh, going back into what someone did or what someone said. Uh, it doesn't help to be harsh with yourself. Try to be kind with yourself uh, and try to acknowledge the fear that exists within you. But once you see that, don't sit on it. Confess it to God and ask him to heal you of the wounds that are hindering your spiritual effectiveness. Because I want you to know this, not very far from you, the spirit of the Lord is moving. 
And if you will call upon him, he will speak life and light into your life. The wounded spirit is a toxic spiritual environment that celebrates all the weakest parts of the flesh and destroys and limits all the most powerful parts of the spirit. To live as a wounded soul. Some people are, I like to say, wounds looking for knives. They've already decided they're hurt. They're just going around like this. Is it you? You too, Brutus? (laughs) We don't want to live that way. Why? Because it is the antithesis of the kingdom of heaven. The most powerful witness in our life is the healed spirit. More important than the healed body. I said more important than the healed body. The healed spirit. Stay with me. I'm almost done. The Lord is my shepherd, the, the psalmist says. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Say it with me. He restores my soul. Say it again. He restores my soul. Psalms 147, 2 and 3. The Lord gathers together the outcasts of Israel. Anyone feel like that? <laughs> I, I, I like being a church that collects outcasts. If you're a weirdo, God love you. I love you too. <laughs> the Lord collects and gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Oh, I love it. I love it. The last condition, I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come and play. The last condition is, so uh, to review, number one is, is people get stuck in a, a state of, of conflict, um, a state of, of being in spiritual type. It's, it's almost like a, a torment. They're too and they're fro. They're too. There's no stability to them. The second is people get trapped in a habit of fear and anxiety. They, they worry, 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 and they don't understand how that is the opposite of what God has invited them to live. Number three is the uh, uh, people get trapped in places of being wounded. They get trapped in places of offense. They get trapped of, in places of living with a, a sense of rejection, and they almost celebrate their rejection. And lastly is what I will call uh, the law soul where uh, they kind of have a vagabond mentality. They're, they're confused. Um, they're not really established in anything or any place. Um, and they aren't rooted in the word of God. And they have a real difficult time being connected to a body of Christ. They're kind of like a lost soul. Um, uh, this, this is unfortunately more common than, than, than we'd like to admit. And so I want to, I want to, first of all, I want to see people like this with empathy. I don't want to just dismiss them or make fun of them. I want to see them with empathy. Um, and I, I, I want to, in some way, believe that the Spirit of the Lord is not far from them. I, I recently uh, was counseling with an individual and and a great, great guy, a lot of talent, and um, he had has a lot to offer. And uh, he had, he had was asking me, you know, what's the next step? And I was saying, I said to him, I made this appeal to him. I said, look, as long as you're at this church for a while and at this church for a while, even if you're a blessing, you never have a place of uh, anointed ministry because you have to know those that labor among you. You have to know those that labor among you. Um, and it's hard to come in for a short period of time and, and instantly, and, and I understand the desire for this. I, I do. About once uh, a quarter, I'll have 
somebody come by the church and they'll always want to grab me in the altar and uh, they'll catch me up here and they'll say, you know, I am a prophet and I, I have a word for your congregation. And I always say, think, and I, I want to I, I have empathy. I don't want to just be, you know. And I always say, well, that's wonderful. But I want you to know that the pulpit here is filled. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's filled with me. <laughs> filled with me and uh, so one thing we do here at First Church is we, we want to know those that labor among us and so I think that uh, you can give me the word from the Lord or you can journey with us until you are known among us and then you would have, be able to deliver a word of the Lord to us and um, they're usually disappointed because they you know, that's not what they were looking for. But um, a lot of times confusion, a lot of times frustration, uh, disappointment will cause us to struggle to really connect anywhere. Um, <clears throat> as a, what time is it? I got to quit here in two or three minutes. It's always been interesting to me to people to see how people struggle to once they have had a a door of leadership open to them. We'll use the example of of going to a seminary or Bible school. Uh, if people go to there and they get a their education in ministry and they don't find a place of ministry. It seems like they struggle to ever be a just a good believer in a church, just a just a good saint, just a it's like if it's almost like they're disappointed because they didn't get a job, and because of that, bless God, they'll just do their own thing. Um, I I want to see them in, with empathy. I do, I do. But I want you all, and I want to remind myself here today that the vagabond mentality. The idea that we are just doing our own thing in God means that we are disconnected from ministry because God has chosen the body of believers known as the church to be his hands and feet in the earth. That means I need you and you need me. I can't just have this wandering kind of vagabond, lost soul thing and really become who I could be in God. I need to be connected with you. You have something I need. And as terrifying as it is to admit, I might have something you need. Just something small. Nothing important. Just, just something small. In the chaos of so many people's lives, not very far away, the Spirit of the Lord is moving. And we have to be able to speak that faith to them. No matter how hurt you are, the Spirit of the Lord is not far from you. You can be healed. No matter how confused you are, the Spirit of the Lord is not very far away from you. You can be restored. No matter how wounded you are, the Spirit of the Lord is not very far from you. And the work of God is this. Into the chaos, he speaks. And his word brings light. I said his word brings light. 
Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your anointing. Lord, I thank you for these wonderful people. I thank you for this wonderful church. Knit us together, Lord, in ministry and mission. Knit us together, Lord, in commitment, evangelism. Knit us together, Lord God, not simply for the salvation of self, but for the calling of ministry in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blessing, and I thank you for your healing power. Lord, I've been the one who was wounded, but you've healed me. I've been the one who was offended, Lord, but you've healed me. I've been the one in chaos, God, but you've spoken spiritual order to me. And Lord, we want to celebrate as a church because every one of us here today has, has, has been the person living in chaos. We've been the person who was wounded. We've been the person who was tormented. We've been the person who was trapped in fear. And we've all of us been given the testimony of how you can bring us out and you can lead us through. And I praise you for that today, Lord Jesus. Help us as your people to take the testimony of that healing, the testimony of that restoration to our whole community. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time, clap your hands to the Lord and give give the Lord a shout of praise. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.